space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Shh, the Trekkies are talking. It's mission to explore the Star Trek canon, to seek out new interpretations of human spirituality, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Episode 2. How much control do we have? Agency and free will. Borg drones have no agency or free will. They serve the collective and they become absorbed into it once they can no longer function as a working unit. A Borg drone has no value as an individual. The concept of agency seems irrelevant to the Borg. Does an increasingly digitized society feel like the collective? How much control do we have, really, in modern society? What is free will? What is agency? Would we rather become emotionless cybernetic entities that move from location to location extracting the resources we need to surface ourselves, incentivized by the algorithm? Do we strive to be Picard despite his pure naivete and doubting Q? Or do we strive to be Lore because of his shameless resolve in his charismatic mission? Maybe we strive to be like Q because he did choose based on values he learned to embrace. How much control does each character have? What does the Star Trek The Next Generation Borg canon tell us about our own society and how much control we have or do not have in our own lives and the systems of systems in which we reside? Okay. Who wants to begin? Should I just read this out loud since we, uh, I'll just read it out loud since this is the topic of the uh, podcast. This is our second uh, podcast. Shh, the Trekkies are talking. Uh, how much control do we have? Agency versus free will. Borg drones have no agency or free will. They serve the collective and they become absorbed into it once they can no longer function as a working unit. Borg, a Borg drone has no value as an individual. The concept of agency seems irrelevant to the Borg. Does an increasingly digitized society feel like the collective? How much control do we have, really, in modern society? What is free will? What is agency? Would we rather become emotionless cybernetic entities that move from location to location, extracting the resources we need to service ourselves, incentivized by the algorithm? Do we strive to be Picard? despite his pure naivete and doubting Q? Or do we strive to be Lore because of his shameless resolve in his charismatic mission? Maybe we strive to be more like Hugh because he did choose uh, based on values he learned to embrace. How much control does each character have? What does the Star Trek The Next Generation Borg canon tell us about our own society and how much control we have or do not have in our lives and the systems of systems in which we reside? Okay. So who's kicking off? I'll kick off. Sure. Okay, you the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just want to say that. 
so I, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I think back from the days of the Twilight Zone, um, back from the days of the Twilight Zone, one of the things that that science fiction uh, has has always been able to do is to kind is to talk about is to talk about current issues in a way that feels somehow safe. Um, and I'm not sure where that safety comes from, but it feels safe. And obviously it it's interesting that this, I don't know how old is, how old are, is, is this episode now? Um, but it's much more relevant today than it was when it was, it's much more relevant today than when it was written because, because mm-hmm. we live in an increasingly, increasingly cyber society now. Right. I mean, so, as you said, so much of our, our free will is not necessarily taken away from us, but our but our free will is is delimited by all sorts of algorithms. You know, if you use the dating apps, you know, if you use the dating apps, your you know your choices are being are being decided by an algorithm. Um, if your your politics um, is being influenced and in, in, influenced by AI, um, and uh, and we we are plugged into we are plugged into uh, a kind of uh, into a kind of matrix that is making more and more of our decisions for us, um, while giving us, although although while giving us the appearance of free will. That's one of the differences. One of the differences is that while the Borg embrace, you know, that and they're defined by their lack of free will. Mm-hmm. Um, we, on the other, on the other hand, are still in in the, we're still squirming, right? There's part of us that the part of us that embraces, you know, kind of being part of this, you know, this cyber collective. And then there's another part of us that's kind of squirming at it and squirm and our individuality is squirming. And that's exactly the issue that this episode is is kind of dealing with. Right. Mm -hmm. Is is this this sort of in between state that we find ourselves where like part of us, you know, wants to embrace this and is attracted to it um and yet you know and yet the borg are its is its ugliest face right i mean it's the you know you know the cyber the dark cyberpunk square the fact that their ships are are cubes mm-hmm. i think is is not uh says says something about them you know it's kind of like there is no there's no interest in there's no aesthetic interest whatsoever you know the the idea of something being uh, beautiful or elegant is no longer of any importance everything is purely functional and uh you know part of us is attracted to that and some part of it is repulsed and we get kind of both of those sides there i love what you said about the square because that's really important because there's a thing um i don't know if like if you're a netflix person there's a thing on Netflix called Infinity. There's a de- documentary on there called Infinity. And it talks about like the circle and the circle being like infinite corners, being like infinite sides. So that like, because the circle doesn't like, it's like, it doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. Right. And it talked about that. It said, explained it way more eloquently, but like a square, like it's different right? You have the corners and like you have four corners and like that, right? So I love that, like that, 
like that, like the cube thing and stuff like that does matter. Like I, you're right. That probably is like, it's probably like maybe not conscious, but I'm, you know, there's a reason they didn't choose like, you know, like a globe or, you know, like they chose like, or like a saucer or something they did. They chose like a grotesque, like really like, you know, industrial like looking thing right like yeah i think the square is like the symbol of order you know yes we defined what's interesting is is when the queen when they debut the queen in the film right. they use a spaceship as a circle oh interesting yeah wow mm. so her spaceship is a circle very clever Yes, and I'm sure that means something. And there's probably like a hierarchy. Excuse me, there's a, probably a hierarchy to that. Mm -hmm. Like as far as like how much control do we have and how much agency and free will do we have? You know, there's like, also there's the thing of like, whether you believe that you do, you know what I mean? There's like the experiment that everyone probably has seen or maybe haven't um, on Facebook. I don't know if it's true or not. Apparently, if you draw like a circle around a cat or if you put like tape, a circle tape around a cat, they won't they won't trip, go past the, the thing that will like stay in the circle or something. So like like, you know, or if you open the cage, the animal doesn't like realize that like they're like they're free. You have to like let them know that they're free. So like, sometimes I think people are like that. Like Robert and I just saw this movie um, last, last weekend, uh, Zone of Interest. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. It is Zone of Interest is what the Nazis, cause you know, they love their euphemisms. So the Zone of Interest was what they called the concentration camps. So the Zone of Interest is about the story of the family of Hus, who is the commandant of Auschwitz and he had this lovely villa like just outside like on the other side like on the grounds of the camp but there was like a wall and so on one side of the wall is this lovely family life and the wife is just she's so proud of her garden it is just this great house and she is just risen to the top because you know they're you know, they're, they're movers and shakers. They're like people that are like trying to climb and stuff. Right. And she's got her mom in there and she's like, look at mom, this garden, I made this garden. And it's like, you could just see that wall. It's always there. Right. So this is like, sort of like the banality, like of evil that, you know, we, we've, you know, there's been written about and stuff and there's no violence, but there's just like a series of choices like, like there is a series of choices that people make and people don't even maybe think that they have a choice. They're like, well, if I don't go along with this, I have to like meet my quota. You know, I have to make Himmler happy or whatever the thing was that was going on there with this guy, right? Trying to like do the best he can to be the best, you know, manager of an extermination camp he had. But like, that's a choice that people make. And I think this is important to talk about now because we're living in this time when people are like, like, like the internet and digital technology is like a force multiplier for this stuff, right? Like however powerful it was when you could get into a cult-like setting because we're socially wired that way, we can't help it. Um, like it's more now, 
right? So if you don't have all of those foundations of values and be like, hey, wait, this is wrong. And I don't actually care what anyone thinks, you know, then you like could get sucked into that. And it's become very obvious, like since, you know, October, that a lot of people do, did. And a lot of people who were like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I would choose to like, no, they just fell into the hole. Like so many, so like, like it really kind of is important to be like, am I choosing to do this? Like, like, or to be like how much agency, like, because what is agency and what is free will? And I wrote those two things because obviously I didn't think that they, like, I think that those two words are different. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think we, like, we don't maybe even realize we have a choice because we so feel like we're like, sucked into the to the um fabric of everything you know yeah well the free choice the the free the the free choice feels i don't know you, you don't i i think that we kind of feel like we do have free choice but that agency is is somehow being taken away from us like we don't have really don't have that agency sometimes. And you see, and I, you give a good example of being people kind of falling, as you as you put it, falling into falling into the hole. What what's weird is that if you like I mean in the in the Nazi example, mm-hmm. is if you kind of divide, you know, you know, make Himmler happy. So if you sort of divide the task up into a million different pieces and nobody really knows what all the pieces do. Mm-hmm. And has, has the grand picture, except for a few people. So, okay, each person. What's weird about the Borg, I would say, is that they all know what yes. the purpose is, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of, it's sort of ironic. There's not, they, well, it does, of course, it turns out there is a mastermind. Eventually we come to the queen, mm-hmm. but but they all have, but but they all have this, they all have the mission statement down, Right. You know, you will be assimilated and they and they all understand assimilation as being as being a good thing. This is kind mm-hmm. of the ultimate good is for we for us to become assimilated into this. This thing, which ends up looking like a horrible cube going through space and killing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's interesting is that there are no flowers and there are no walls. Right. There's no flowers. There's no walls. There's no, you know, we can hide this from ourselves and we can think, you know, we're really mm-hmm. just, you know, but like this is, you know, okay, yes, this is what we, this is what we're doing. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're assimilating. Although it's interesting because they, they don't wire up assimilation as, as killing. Right. I mean, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't really understand it as killing, but as kind of recycling, which is another uh, interesting, you know, brings us back to Soylent Green, you know, to mm-hmm. another another old another old science fiction, you know, trope, mm-hmm. you know, of you know, well, it's not really killing if you're if you're recycling it, <laughs> which well, it's it, like I said with the euphemisms, right? Like we find ways to tell ourselves a story about it and then it doesn't seem so bad you know like you know like a zone right. of interest doesn't sound as bad as a death camp or a labor camp yeah. or you know whatever right 
if you say that enough times, then you're like, oh yeah, that's a zone, that zone of interest over there. And you can just be like, you know, and in the move and like the choices, but it's like, like, what is a choice when you're talking about a human being because of the way we are wired and like Freudian things that we can't like, like we are not, we are not entirely aware of why we do things and of the things like of all of our, you know, machinations of our, you know what I mean? Like it couldn't possibly be, we wouldn't be able to function if we were aware of everything. So like, like, you know, I'm observing in Canada, this really interesting thing of like the reigning liberal party realizing like they're really in trouble and reacting. And so like humans are humans, right? And they have all sorts of like ego defense mechanisms they employ and stuff, right? And like, how much of that is really a choice? Like, because I don't think people sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to play, you know, like, I think that people just are like, you know, sort of they, they act without realizing it. And I don't know how much, how much of this is, is amplified by digital, the digital world, right? Where you just get into this thing where the algorithm sucks you in and it's almost like you just fell into the river. You know, if you fell into the, like the Fraser River or the Red River and the current is really strong. And if, even if you tried to swim, you're just taken away, right? And sometimes it's like that. And so like that, like what is a choice in that like thing? Like, it's like you said, like it's the illusion, like, because are we really like, like, are we really choosing? We are maybe to a degree, but not as much as we think we are. Well, kind of. I mean, I, I noticed the other day I got one of those, uh, you, you know, you get these, uh, you get these uh, um, user agreements and stuff for software and whatever. And I agreed to something that said something about targeted advertising. Mm -hmm. and, I realized that I said, okay, targeted advertising is basically a is a euphemism for collecting lots and lots and lots of information about you, right? For the purposes for the purposes of selling you stuff that you didn't know that you wanted, or alternatively, right? Alternatively, feeding you information that's going to create in you the desire and need for the things that we want to sell you, right? It targeted advertising is a is a, is a, is a, is a, is, a, is a name for like a lot of stuff that's being done to you at the same time and and once you've once you've been once you've been targeted right uh, you know at what point at what point does your after once the information has been shaped and shaped and now you think mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. politics for example you know where it, where you know the the algorithm. The algorithm wants to show you more of what it thinks that you're going to like because mm -hmm. that makes you more receptive to buying to buying things. Mm -hmm. So it's going to keep so it's putting you increasingly increasing into into the uh, you know into your own echo chamber. And it, so at what point? At what point? I mean, does it stop being the stop being free will because you're not being given the the things that you need for free for free choice? And you know? if you try to take them, it's really it's kind of like some the salmon maybe swimming upstream. And there are some people that do that. Like there are some people that live that way. Like right now they are the salmon, they're swimming upstream and they're choosing all the time. <laughs> it's like, they're not making many friends and it's kind of hard to do. 
and you have to just be a certain kind of person and maybe there's limits on that but like it isn't eat like it's not like like people are like oh yeah freedom and they talk about it like you know oh like it's like this great fabulous thing and it feels good and stuff and like it's maybe not like maybe it's like a thing to work for you know like like what we're talking about now like being aware of that like because yeah I do see that more and more like and I'm like okay who is this person and like you know sometimes it's like okay what are what is all like you know when you're a parent and you the kids come to you with a thing and everyone's screaming at the same time and you're like okay like and you gotta like try to figure out what the facts are you gotta be the investigator it's kind of like you have to be that way all the time you can't just be like oh yeah that person said that and just go with it and there's like a real like incentivization I don't think it's a deliberate thing I think it's just that the system incentivizes this to like try to get people to try to manipulate people to try to like rage farm them to try to like you know get them into like a thing or like the other way you know try to like really get them into like some like cultish like you know track and like we're so also vulnerable to that and it, the algorithms and our brains and everything, you know, being rewired really makes it like, so I don't know what I'm saying. I'm rambling, but like, I just to be aware of the fact I'm often aware. Okay. What's the motivation? What's this person trying to, what's the, what's this, what's this media outlet trying to make me feel like sometimes I have to look at it that way, you know? Yeah. Did you just invent the word rage farming, the, the expression of rage farming? I've, I've used it before, but I, maybe. I don't know, but that was great. I feel like I'm going to I'm going to use that for something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what. There are some that that like some media outlets that exist to do that. They will pick like the thing and they'll just, you know. Yeah, I think there's always two levels of thing is the, the people who are acceptable to the agency and and. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they're reading a book or seeing something on the internet, they always take everything at face value. And they're very susceptible to that, those messages that are coming through uh, with the algorithms and, and stuff. They, they're like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you have the other people who, who are going against the grade and they're going, what is behind this? You know, whether they're reading a book or, or something, they're always like, what's the intent? They're always questioning. That's why you have the queen. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there is this, there is this kind of like, there is that question. Even with the Borg, there is this question. Like, somebody had to make this. Like, you know, somebody had to. And then it's like, oh, we'll just leave it to the creator or leave it to the leader or leave it to the whatever. And that, that, um, like, instinct or that, you know, it's so easy to just, sit back and let a tyrant walk in and like you know because it's 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 it seems comfortable like you know what i mean to think about that and to be like oh the queen's looking after it or the you know the fearless leaders looking after it or whatever you know it's interesting i i i found out real recently um that there was a huge spike in cults during the pandemic um, because when everybody was online, it was so easy to become a cult leader. It, it was just, 
it was it was so simple, right? All you have to do was be online and offer, you know, and and offer, uh, you know, mediocre advice at a high price, and you could and you could become you could become you could become a cult leader because people were sort of at you know they were they were like they were like the borg after you know after getting the after getting the virus you know they're mm. walking around in circles not sure what to do with themselves bumping into their own walls and uh they they head to the internet and somebody comes to them and says oh i have a mission for you and it only cost you ten thousand mm. dollars and they're okay here's my ten thousand dollars tell me what i was supposed to do with myself um like that whole covid pandemic thing was like so many like it was like a like like um what do you call it the matryoshka dolls the one inside of the other like right. cult like a cult inside of a cult inside of a cult like it's like so many layers of like like how people just got like swooped in by like you know the charisma and the fear and like you know the met certain messages being like over amplified and people seeing you know you, like it's just like yeah well, sure. I mean, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. It became like the the international the international standard, you know, for for news. It was pretty weird. Yeah. But you know, if you read like the history of pandemics in the past, like you know, like this was predicted. Like what we did, how we behave, was sort of like predicted in history. Like. You know, people have written about like how we misbehaved, you know, during the plague and like how we we've always done this with like every, you know, pandemic or every plague situation we've had. We've like used it to like create rules to exclude people, to blame people, to, you know, like like everyone loves to jump to you you know drag Foucault because he like was taught he he had a point and he wasn't saying it should be that way I don't know if you read any of his work it's pretty pretty dense but the stuff he read he wrote he wrote about like public health basically that's what you're talking they called it biopower mm -hmm. like that's exactly what happened like you know, I don't ever remember when I was a nurse ever, except for being getting into training. Okay, getting into training. I don't ever remember being forced to get any kind of vaccines ever. Not never ever in any years have I ever heard of the flu vaccine being forced on people. It was a choice that you had and it was encouraged, but no one was ever fired from their job. You know, like some weird stuff happened. And I don't, we're getting off topic now, but like, like then when people start to make a choice in these kind of new settings, then all of a sudden it's like, you know, because yeah, maybe that was kind of a collective inside of a collective inside of a collective. And, you know, it's weird what happened. I think, I think the weirdest thing is, is everyone expected, especially with the US, to be an agency like the Hollywood movies that when this, pandemic broke that they would swoop in they would have the hazmat suits on and take control of society and, and none of that happened <laughs> it was like it was like um these people were like oh no science doesn't work <laughs> science is fake you know yeah so, uh, and 
And people were just like watching the United States just melt in this pandemic. So like they're, you know, they expected them to be the world le leaders and then say, okay, this is the way we're going to deal with this. And it didn't happen. And, you know, I was like, wow. And then people yeah, like are looking at China and, and, you know, and is China the way to, 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 to deal with this? And it turned out ultimately, no, that's not the way to deal with it. I remember people being like, oh, we should be like Australia or we should be like Israel was at one point. But Israel and New Zealand, I think. Yeah. The and, and it's like, then this like, what is the choice though? Because people were like, look at, they're taking a stand. They're making a decision, you know, to like, you know, for the public good and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, we have this whole thing about, you know, decisions versus choices. And like, you know, like sometimes when you're in it, like, like we were, some people were really distorted because some people did think that that was great. And it turned out not to be that good at all. Right. I don't know. Well, I, I think that, I think that, you know, especially in, I think in American Western culture, and I'm going to say, I'll say, let's say North American culture, although I don't know Canada so well, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to say at least for the United States, we have this, um, we have this, we have this strange um, love affair with freedom, right? We have this kind of like, we have this like passion for freedom, right? Even as we are constantly doing things to limit it, right? I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting. What, one of the most limiting um, laws ever to be passed in the United States is the Patriot Act, right? Which which is essentially allows the allows the federal government to do all sorts of things to you that they could never otherwise do to you, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever we have, whatever we have, uh, a, a war, a perceived war. This was the beginning of the I think the Patriot Act was in the uh, beginning of the war against terror. Mm -hmm. And um, and on the one hand, you know, we're very willing to to get rid of uh, freedom, but 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 we are constantly like scared of anything that's centralized. Our entire constitution, all the amendments to the constitution, uh, every, our entire form of government is kind of on the one hand to establish a centralized form of government and the other it's on the other side to completely undermine it whenever possible. You see this happening right now in the United States and in Texas, right? Where Texas they've decided that they're going to control their own borders and the and the and uh, and the, the federal government is saying no, we control the borders. Right? It's we always says we have a kind of centrifugal force, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of pushing pushing things out into states into states' rights and individual rights and how important it is to have individual rights. And then we have this at the same time this this kind of this kind of uh, gravitational force, I guess that's kind of like pressing in the center mm -hmm. that's kind of wants uh, that wants decisions to be made at the center. And that in that fantasy, I think that that sort of fantasy that somehow or another this would all work better, if it were controlled, comes out in lots of different forms. Even mm -hmm. conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. uh, conspiracy theories are really like a way of saying, you know, all this is being controlled by somebody, right? You know, the Illuminati are controlling everything, right? I There's think just this is like, to interrupt you there, Gabor Maté, 
um says to people when he does like his talks and stuff and he talks about like you know everyone's got issues everyone comes from issues and he's like what story are you telling yourself to Mm. not see that and so those things like this is like the story you're telling yourself to not see the dysfunction just on a collective level you know like like and he oh he does this thing i don't know if you've ever been or watched any of his talks and he'll do this thing and he'll just you know someone will be like and he'll have this they'll be like convinced oh no i had a absolutely lovely everything was great whatever and he'll just ask like a few questions like you know like just a few important questions to completely begin to like like undo that person's narrative or to get them to see like okay like can you see how you're telling yourself a story and it's really like like it's fascinating how we just do that and like i see that that i've always said that you know america like is also like you know the land of the free and your 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 national anthem is about freedom and conquering freedom and it's like you makes you want to be like woohoo you want to stand up and cheer and shit right and you know and it's so interesting because like you think you're free this is my perspective as a canadian and in canada i don't know if you realize this we have like rick mercer and stuff one night when you're bored go on youtube and rick mercer talking to americans is really funny anyway Mm. we're subversive we love to make fun of america basically right so like i see that as like america talking but america talking about freedom all the time and stuff like because on a level you're not really free like like you said there's like this tension like this tension like like you know like people like like i could theoretically speaking if i had got you know if one of us got cancer tomorrow we don't have to like go sell our something to like get treatment we can just get treatment right like in that respect we are free in that way where america is not free but america's like but i have choices i'm free so like this is like now a whole different like depends on where you're sitting about like what is freedom right mm-hmm. You know, and so my point was like, I sort of always have thought that America, America talks about that. And that's like a thing they're so like on about because on a level they don't have it. And it's like, you know, the caged bird sings of freedom is what Maya Angelou said, right? If you're like, we're over here, like, I don't know, like (laughs) whatever, but like, we don't talk about freedom. We talk about like being like Canada is not like, uh, somebody once said, Canada's not a country you're proud of. It's a country you worry about. We worry all the time. We apologize. You know, we're like the lovely living room. It's like, oh, oh, you got something. You got a stain on the, you know, thing, right? It's like we're constantly like fretting and stuff. And like, we're so neurotic and apologizing. And it doesn't mean like we're sorry. It means something else, like bless your heart type thing. But like, so like we have like a different thing. Like we don't have that necessarily. Now we sort of do with Justin Trudeau and all these things coming out. We sort of are thinking a bit more about, you know, freedom and what does the constitution say? And oh, wow, we have a charter of rights and freedoms and stuff like that, right? Like Canadians are not, we're a bit irreverent and we're a bit complacent we don't really appreciate freedom the way that Americans do. Like I find my American friends and also my British friends 
really like they totally know the law oh section 10 and this blah 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 this is like canadians are sitting here like who do i write about this <laughs> like you know like i don't know why we're like that it's like we're a bit passive and like we forgot that we can like you know choose and i don't know if that's because of being like beside a giant like because you know to be in, in canada you're beside like big like big giant right? right so when you're always like when you have the big giant always like you know you're sort of in the shadow and you're sort of a bit like you know you're a bit defined by that right and so it's, it's fun, and it's funny because it's a it's a it's also a bit of a myth because it's always the United States saying, "Oh yes, you're you're just a little neighbor, and you know your 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 opinion doesn't really matter." You know, you know it's make it's us we make the big decisions and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you actually look at Canada's place in the global economy and uh, and everything, we're actually one of the in top one of the top ten countries. Right. You know, uh, we're not a small country. We're not a in resources and and stuff and we used to have political clout in the world and and it's been witted away mm -hmm. both by our own governments and and by the opinions of other governments who didn't didn't want this whole peace peacekeeping country uh in in the in the western hemisphere be right back oh okay go ahead yeah and so um uh so I think um, you know we've really been belittled <laughs> and and stuff and uh, but uh, it is it, it's, it's amazing how much importance and it's interesting because going back to Star Trek mm. this is Q, this is how Q deals with the with the humans <laughs> you know oh you're not important you're not a big player in in mm. in, in the world you're you're going to be decimated as soon as you meet the Q. I mean, as soon as you meet the Borg, you know. Yeah. You know, the Borg are overpowering a bit, you know. Yeah, um, that's true. Q is a bit like, you know, the superpower kind of. Mm -hmm. And the Borg, the Borg are sort of like maybe a superpower too, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, Picard is like the, that person swimming against the. Uh, the stream, you know. Well, you know what I heard from Norman Spector, um, that actually Canada was um like after the formation of Israel, Canada was one of the ones who was um one of the early people who was working like behind the scenes to craft the two-state solution. It was ultimately I think it was it was rejected but i think the first one was rejected by both sides and whatever but anyway like like i was reading about that because i didn't know about that and i was reading you know about some of the people that were involved at the time and like the thinking was that like these people knew that like they needed there to be a world order there needed there to be peace in the world it was the bet for the in canada's best interest for like the big people not to be like fighting over shit basically like to put it in Roxanne's speak like and I think like that's kind of like what Canada's being like okay everyone get along like you know when I was younger and we'd have keep peacekeeping forces you know and stuff like that and we always we had like a role you know and stuff <clears throat> and you know like that's kind of like who we are because we're beside the you know the big dude with guns right 
<laughs> like we love America, but we are most Canadians are absolutely horrified that, you know, in some places in the States, it's like, wow, you can walk around with your light gun in Walmart. It's like you could like hold your kid and they're like, that's that's such as weird. I mean, okay, you can do that in Israel too, but I think that's contextual and yeah. you know, it's a different society, but like wow. <laughs> I think it uh, defines us. <laughs> that yeah, that I remember the first time I met a uh, Canadian. I met Canadian peacekeepers in Israel, actually, and I like I had no idea what a peacekeeper was. Like, uh, what a bizarre! Like, are you soldiers? Mm -hmm. Kind of, yes. Um, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was pretty interesting. I mean, it was. It was hard. It was hard to you know. It was hard to imagine exactly what that was, uh, being an American, because we basically just come to kick ass. So yeah. that you know, how many do we take out? And <laughs> Canada's like, wait, wait, yeah. we can have a talk about this. Let's have, let's sit down and have some poutine or something. By the way, on the cube thing, I just I I I just happened to look out my window, and I realized that down the street from me. There's two buildings and one was built like in, I want to say in the nineties and it is in fact a cube. It's like, it's that industrial, that weird industrial architecture mm. that was popular. I want to say from like the, the eighties and the nineties, like kind of very square, a lot of glass. Um, mm -hmm. I remember going to Toronto, speaking of Canada and seeing a lot of it. And but then right next door to it is a school that was newly built and it's kind of brick. It's done kind of in a in an old style. I saw an apartment building recently also that's being done across the street is one of those 1980s, you know, square block things, industrial style. And then and now they're building. It's kind of like a little bit of. Uh, um, I want to say kind of art deco new york style brick work and stuff like that um i feel like i think i feel like, I feel like we've backed off from the from from the board cube maybe mm -hmm. maybe part of us is kind of like feeling like we need warm and fuzzy again maybe that's a good sign what were you gonna say yeah you were gonna say something yeah i've seen some buildings in in europe where they've actually taken away the 70s look of the building next to them and reproduce the the facade of the building next to it, which was like uh, 1930s architecture and stuff, and replicated it for the, the rest of the the block. Yeah. Uh, and so the there definitely seems to be a more of a aesthetically blending going on with with things. But, um, we've seen this in Vancouver where they will take an old building that's been like downtown where they'll take the whole building out except for the front mm. they keep the whole front and then rebuild all behind it right you so know what they did sorry go ahead no go ahead uh what they did in winnipeg um at the main campus main uh, health sciences campus which is where the main medical school and everything is and it's like on the clear other side of town from like where the rest of the main university is, where all the rest of the stuff is. So 
what they did when they had to like build a new like research thing and stuff and they had this old heritage building and it was like the old you know whatever I don't know my architecture style but the columns and the beautiful you know trim and shit um and they couldn't tear that down so they left it and they built around it and they built like this big fancy, you know, like glass and like tower, whatever, modern, there's a bug, sorry, uh, modern <clears throat> building. Um, and they built it around. So when you walk in, you've got this fancy whatever building and it's named after some like rich donors, whatever. And it's like the, the center of research and the medical library and a bunch of other stuff is in there, important stuff. And you walk in. And there's like the old building, like, you know, when it was like a, like, like obviously like a three, like, you know, not that high, but like an old building from like, you know, hundred or whatever years ago that they didn't knock down, that they left and they just like built around it. And I thought that was kind of like a cool compromise, you know? Yeah. Like, I thought that was, I don't even remember like what, like, I'm sure that that happened because some people were like, hey, you can't, you know people are like you know attached to their like heritage things and stuff and that's one thing i find in vancouver we don't in this city they don't there doesn't seem to be really much of an attachment to history like there doesn't seem to be maybe that's because this is a, new, a reasonably like new city compared to like other cities in canada but we don't really seem to be that like we don't really seem to be that rooted you know well, i wonder if that's like a that's like a reason maybe for like so much superficiality in the societies and stuff that there's not that many roots. Well, what happens when, what happens when people, you know, kind of lose their, um, and I think, I think that we're all kind of losing culture to some extent. I mean, um, you know, our participation in the internet that's what that's part of it but our participation in kind of a world media culture mm -hmm. i think maybe kind of reducing you know our you know our our uh social you know our kind of social and cultural individualities you know i, I that's that's one of the weird things about the star trek world i have to say mm -hmm. is that everybody you know we have there's there's black people there's you know there's 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 black people and there's uh and there's other species and everybody's on the and every and everybody is really of the same culture except for um except for well was except for the uh you know the Romulans are weird Vulcans are weird um and uh and the of Klingons course are, the Klingons yeah. right, the Klingons are weird right but somehow or another they're they're able to kind of function within they have to you know they they have to code switch i guess that's what they they call it these days code switch to be able to be part of the and they keep they keep kind of like whenever anybody asks them a question about culture or about you know economics or anything we don't have to worry about that anymore you know we don't because worry i don't even know like that there's a solution for that when there's so many different people and different like voices and stakeholders stakeholders that's where i'm looking for well there's so many different stakeholders at the table i don't even think that we can conceive of like devising a system that's stable with that many variables in it 
I mean, this maybe is like trying to make a calculation or trying to run a regression analysis or like whatever, and having all of these variables and trying to like, like after a while, like, you know, I think there's probably a limit. So maybe it's just easier to be like, we've solved that. Well, and, and well, and, and the Borg have solved that problem completely by saying, well, we don't give a crap. I mean, we just care about your technology, you know, like we, we, we don't, we're not going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to assimilate your technology, but we're not, and we're going to assimilate your biology, but we could care less about what you believe about your culture. And that's like that's what culture. some country, some, some nations do. Like yeah. that's what communism does. That's why what China does to a large extent, that's what the Soviets did. And that's why they have so much power because they treat their people like that. You know, they don't just go through the world like operating like that. They also operate like that with their own at home. And so we don't like we we've chosen not to. Right. So like, again, with the choices and decisions, you know, like. Well, this may be I mean, I mean, you know. We in America, we have this idea of the, you know, the city on the hill. Right, that America is supposed to be the city on the hill. I think the city on the hill idea was, I mean, that the kind of like the cool big ideal of America, which I think I think is also <laughs> in our shadow of Canada. I'm sorry. Uh, is is it, <laughs> although I think I think in some ways you guys actually do it way better than we do, honestly, um, because like Mississauga could not exist in. United States, but I'm just going to say, uh, but like the idea that you have different kinds of people who are living next to each other, who do not have to have the identical culture, but are able to kind of like maintain their own cultures and live side by side with each other. And I, a lot I, of immigrants live in Mississauga. Yes. They have lots and lots and lots and lots. I can't say the word enough money. And that might be a bit unpalatable for some flavor of Americans who might be like, hey, you came to Canada with $40 in your pocket and you have this big million dollar house. How the right. hell dare you have more shit than me? Right. Right. You know, but but also but also, you know, you know, it, it's it's remarkable you know, to, uh, I was with Mississauga. It was kind of amazing that, you know, Burger King was halal. That was like. About that. And then you can go across the street and get your doubles, your Trinidadian roti doubles, and you know, then go yeah, over there and get some other thing, right? And then maybe you can go whatever, right? Get some pierogies or something. Okay. <clears throat> That's kind of the cool thing about Canada. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Another way of looking at this is um if you look at the people who feel they control everything. Mm -hmm. people on top they probably look down and envision a bog like world pizza oh we have to have pizza now for supper mm -hmm. I'm, very food and, I'm very food impressionable if i see someone online having some food thing i'm like i have to have it <laughs> okay well i highly encourage you to buy kosher pizza from washington dc <laughs> it might be it might not be warm 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing, that's the thing. The people in that want to control everything. So, like, the, what I was saying before about observing, like, you know, um, like, the Liberals having... And by liberals, I mean liberal, liberal Party of Canada, like Trudeau, whatever. I know Americans have a different definition of liberal. When I say liberal, I mean the, that political party. So watching them have a meltdown right now, and like occurs to me that it's something I knew before. People that want to control everything do so because that's a a soothing thing that they do. Because why? Because they're out of control. So if you're out of control, if you feel like you don't have enough control, then you just want it mostly sometimes, you know, maybe not, not all the time, but in many cases, they just feel like out of control in themselves, like internally in themselves. So if you can't fix that thing that you can't control, then you have to just control everyone else. It seems to me that's kind of like a root of tyranny and authoritarianism in many cases don't you think people are a little hot wired to i mean somehow or another you know this fantasy that this fantasy that everybody is going to like be like me yes right yeah. that, that's a that that is a persistent human fantasy right ben shapiro said not everyone thinks like you stop that Right. Well, the, the idea and the idea that everybody should think like you, yes, is, is is really a very very persistent fantasy, you know. And you know, you know, authoritarianism, and certainly, I, I would say most, not all religious systems, but a lot of religious systems depend on that idea and enforce that idea. Right. Everybody has to dress the same. Everybody yeah. has to do this and do that. We have to have our standards. We everybody has to has to you know follow the rules. Mm -hmm. um, and you know we, we do that again and again and again. Even though, even though, like, there's some part of us that that knows it's impossible. You know, I, I always think of I always think of the the of uh, Stalin. You know, they would start clapping, right? They start clapping and they clap for ten minutes and clap for twenty minutes, clap for half an hour, and the first person to stop clapping would be executed. Because that was the right. That was that. That was the trouble. That was the that was the troublemaker. And the whole idea is that everybody has to be clapping at the same time. And you, you see North Korea, right? The, the, mm -hmm. Constant, you know. Okay, everybody has to dress exactly the same and stand in rows. And and there is there 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 is that. So like, I mean, the Borg are like fulfilling this very profound human fantasy, you know, that you know we'll all be. Look, we'll all look the same, you know, and we'll all think the same, and we'll all be of one common purpose. And it's and, horrifying, though. Yeah. It's and a comforting it's fantasy, yeah. but it's mm. bloody horrifying, but the isn't it? But I, but I was it's saying before, but, but I was saying before, why you get your pizza is the people on top, the people who uh, feel they control everything, actually would like the world to be a Borg. They would mm -hmm. like the population to be Borg. That's what their their ultimately goal is: is to make the whole population compliant and be part of that agency and and just do what they're told. Right. And, Meanwhile, and, they get to be like the uh, queen and float around. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and and uh, we at the bottom identify with Picard, and our fear is being joined with this collective and. And uh, we want to fight that. And 
and be individual and well, and stuff, you know, and it's uh, it's interesting how that reflects in Star Trek. It's like uh, they're uh, they're sort of taking our fears and stuff and uh, from and putting it in our faces. You know, this is your fear. You know, being part of the collective. Uh, you know, and 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 uh, we can see it all around us. This idea to be, you know, to be a sheep. You know, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're afraid of it and attracted to it that's yeah. the well it's kind of like um i always think of the the story in the in the old testament of the guy who was wrestling with the angel was mm -hmm. that jacob was wrestling with the angel yes. or something and i always um, i don't know if this is wrong but i always thought of it as like sort of symbolizing that like wrestling with you know there's a thing you have to wrestle with yourself first before you can like mm -hmm. you know negotiate your journey or something like that and you are negotiating your journey and you're negotiating yourself because I always understood that Jacob wrestling with the angel or whatever that is he's wrestling with I always understood that to be like symbolic of like the wrestling with oneself like you know of in the Muslim world they called it the greater jihad you know the battle with your ego or you know whatever like Safi said in one of his teaching um you know every choice is like ego versus god or something like that right so this that that thing that you're doing you know yeah it it's uh ego but versus... the borg don't have that and so that seems really attractive to some people because then you don't have that wrestling with the angel or wrestling with yourself wrestling with your conscience or wrestling with your whatever um and 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 so because that hurts that's painful that's but like that's the human condition well so when they like, do have it everything goes south you know right? that that's the human condition to learn to be like there's a story um in a Rumi collection of Rumi things about um I can't remember if it was the Al Imam Ali who was in a battle or something and the guy called him some name or said something and he had the chance to like he had the right. guy and he had the chance to to like kill him and he said you know something like he decided that he would rather be a slave to god or like be like devoted to god and do god's bidding and not you know do what his rage wanted him to do like and i think maybe like that's the you know, maybe that's what it is. Like, that's what these, you know, the Star Trek is showing us, you know, holding up the mirror and saying, like, you know. But once the mirror is held up, right, you know, poor mm -hmm. Hugh suddenly doesn't know what, you know, what to do with this individuality, which is interesting, by the way, because everybody is just assumes, right, that they're giving him this great gift. Yes. Right? Like, here's this great gift. We're going to make you an individual, right? And it's like, here it is. This is the best thing ever, right? And meanwhile, it completely, you know, it completely messes everything up and and they don't know how to struggle with themselves. I mean, right? They're, they're sort of suddenly look in the mirror and they don't know what to do with that. Like all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. There's like some, there's an individual there. That's a concept that's so difficult. This is, now this makes me think of something I read um, and something, you know, that I've heard about you know, when America was doing the whole, you know, in the post immediate post 9-11 phase and doing this whole war on terror and 
bringing freedom to the Middle East and everything like that. Woo woo, look at we're good for you. It worked whatever, out really love, well. Whatever, right? Um, and then I've read, you know, some things like that, you know, from like Sh uh, Shadi Hamid and, you know, people that were like, you know, that are Middle Eastern scholars being like, like you maybe like you can't just take your idea you know of like freedom and that you think it's this great gift i'm gonna paraphrase this is my interpretation maybe like it was not a great best practice for us to take this idea of freedom and be like you need to be free we're gonna free you we're gonna take out these beat these big bad men they're going with them right and not totally going in and saying it's kind of like when you're a person and you see the butterfly struggle and you help the butterfly and the butterfly dies right that's maybe like a better example and we did and like we did that like thinking in our best western mindset of you know ben shapiro like not everyone thinks like you but we forgot because you know we're in the west and well, if you don't think like me, why not? You should, damn it. You should be just like me because I'm Western, right? And like, maybe we learned that like now we're still kind of living the consequences of like thinking that everyone is like us and everyone can be like us. And like a hundred years ago, you know, everyone should be like us. We'll just draw this line here. We'll just draw this national line. Look, your country now, you know, like this whole thing of like, but people should be that way. Like you said, like, that's like a, such a, like, <laughs> such a, it's such a, like, it's such a burdensome well, thing you to carry. Assume, you're assuming also, that, you know, you draw those national lines because you assume that the, the natural, the natural form of human organization is a nation, right? Not a tribe, not a language, not mm -hmm. a culture, but a nation. And then, you know, you you think you think uh, democracy is is democracy, you know, the equivalent of freedom, um, is is the ideal form of government because people see themselves as individuals, but for people who see themselves collectively, right, as being members of a of a large block, mm -hmm. right, that that may not make that may not make sense at all, you know, exactly. and. And 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 you wreck havoc. I mean, I think that that's, you know, it's interesting that it's interesting that like the virus is sent into the Borg as a weapon. Mm -hmm. It's a it well it, inadvertently, right? They decide not to use it, and it ends up happening anyway, right? Because individuality was the sort of like that's the thing that destabilized their society. And we think, by the way, Americans, you have to understand that we think that we're going to export individualism, right? Mm -hmm. That's 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 really where the failure happened, right? The failure happens that we think we're exporting individualism, right? So we think, okay, we're going to go. And because individualism is really the natural state of all human beings, right? And, uh, and we've achieved that natural state of all human beings, the ultimate state of human beings, that we'll go... And all these, you know, kind of tribal relationships and, you know, Shia, Sunni, all those things, that nobody's going to worry about that, right? You know, we're going to go to Iraq 
And all that, you know, Shia Sunni stuff, it's not going to matter anymore because we're just going to make them they're Iraqis. They're going to be Iraqis. They're going to be members of a nation state. And they're going to see themselves as members of a nation state. And they're going to be looking after the, you know, of, of the needs, uh, the needs and the good of the nation state. And, and that will outweigh all these other differences of tribe and religion and everything else. And of course, you know, and of course, it doesn't it doesn't work, or it works in some you know kind of like in the Borg, something weird happens, right? And somebody sort of steps in, and somebody steps in and says, "Oh, wait a second. And this is exactly what happened actually in Iraq, because because what happened is is once you got rid of what you got rid of uh, a, a Sunni, you know, uh, a Sunni elite that was ruling uh, a Shia majority. Right, the Shia majority woke up, right, and they're going. Well, you know, now you know the world has changed. But well, no, 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 we don't mean that. We mean we want you to be part of the nation state. So, no, no, we don't want that. We want to have a Shia. We want to have a Shia state. We want to, you know, and and the the Southern and all that it becomes, you know, becomes the kingmaker, and uh, you know, and I think that in general these things don't work out well, whether. You know, at least they had at least at least uh, at least in Star Trek they had the wisdom to realize that it could be a weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be a weapon. Well, it's funny when you said not like that because that book that I talked about before, um, Ayn Rand's book a- Anthem, and uh, it's like that the book that she wrote about you know collectivism and stuff, and she wrote a few like you know versions because she wrote the first version in 1938 and then in her foreword of her her 1946 version which she wrote like right after you know the the war ended and stuff and she mentioned like all of you who sat around and you watched this happen and you know oh but I didn't mean that and she actually wrote that but I didn't mean that and she was writing about you know like seeing things happen before you rise and choosing to remain silent and you know stuff like that and like letting collectivism take over and it's more comfortable to just not you know whatever to not say anything and to 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 just let your choice go and stuff you know and it was really like yeah it was just like it was very like you know if you consider that the context and of what she was writing and that story was basically about like one person noticing that something wasn't right like this just is something's wrong and just breaking the rules and just like risking everything to be like to choose to go against the grain and like running away from everything and you know there's the council of this and there's a council of that and you know you know you can't do anything on your own and stuff and it's like you don't have a choice and when you choose oh it's like you're you know you're violating society or you're you know, it's like it's really like it's really like a powerful statement about like how like you know the pendulum maybe swung too far and individualism you know was basically like canceled, but then people are still individuals and so people still live as individuals. So like it was trying to portray like the tension of a you know like a square like a round peg being forced to live in a square hole or you know like because when you're an individual and you're being forced to live in like a really uber collectivist society like it's not (laughs) and if you're like a bit of a collectivist and you're being forced to live in a really uber individualist society right it's It's gonna be right it's gonna be a misfit 
Yeah. And you're going to be a misfit. <laughs> and then, so I and, have to keep going because I have my, 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 yes. my, it needs to be shared and I have to go feed my partner. Sure. So, um, thank you guys very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut out, I'm gonna cut out before this uh, gets too cold. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. I think we, I think we, yeah. I don't know if we have any more to talk about. I think we sort of, yeah, I think this is a good, good amount of time. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Like, a, okay, folks. All right. Go have your pizza. Yay. <laughs> okay. Bye. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye.